Please listen carefully. Salutations, toppers, and welcome to episode 64 of the Turn of Phrases podcast. I do hope that this episode finds you well, and I thank you for giving me some of your time. Today, we're discussing spoiled rotten phrases, but hopefully this episode won't stink. Now, before things go bad, let's get into today's phrases, origins, history, and more. Today's first phrase is, to the victor goes the spoils. This one means that the winner gets the prize, but who wants rotten items as a reward? Probably no one, which means it's a good thing that, in this case, spoils have nothing to do with stuff past its use-by date. We need to look at politics to better grasp this one. In a spoils system, once they win an election, a political party will give jobs to friends, family, and supporters who helped them as they ran. Basically, folks could help a political party with its campaign in exchange for a job if the election was won by that party. The believed first use of this phrase comes from an 1828 speech by New York Senator William Marcy. In his speech, he said the following as a political statement against the Democratic Party. Quote, they see nothing wrong in the rule that to the victor belongs the spoils of victory. End quote. The American federal government used the spoils system until 1883, when the Pendleton Act was passed. People were getting tired of election winners having the power to just take jobs and other benefits and assign them at will. Since this seems to have been first used in a speech, I guess that technically also counts as the first written use. So let's move on and throw some tomatoes. If you don't like something, you can say it's like rotten tomatoes. And we have an old-timey times expression of dislike to thank for this saying. Many people think this practice goes back to Shakespeare's Globe Theatre, which was built in 1599. It burned down in 1613, was rebuilt in 1614, and then remained open until 1642. There's a problem with the theory that this practice goes back to Shakespeare's theater, because tomatoes weren't really that common in London at this time. Although they were introduced to Europe sometime around the late 1590s, they were seen as poisonous and or just unhealthy by the majority of Europeans all the way until the mid-18th century. So it's not too likely that folks were buying these largely unwanted veggies just to chuck them at actors on the stage. Although, technically, a tomato's a fruit, but, nah, we're not going to get into that. Anyway, tomatoes were far from the first edible thing chucked at folks to show displeasure. All the way back in the year 63 AD, the Roman Emperor Vespasianus Caesar Augustus was subjected to flying turnips during a riot in Hadramedum. After turnips, but before tomatoes, rotten eggs were a favorite thing to fling for unhappy and unentertained people. Whatever food product people chose to toss, it was often due to whatever was both readily available and what was cheap. 
There's another factor, though, that helped tomatoes take center stage as a favored item to let loose. In the case of flinging fruits and veggies, size matters. It's not so easy to chuck a watermelon, but most varieties of tomatoes fit quite nicely in the palm of your hand, which, when combined with the rather satisfying splat that they make upon impact, makes them ideal for letting your frustrations fly. The earliest print reference I could find is from an 1883 article in the New York Times. While writing about a performance by a man named John Ritchie that wasn't well-liked by the audience, the article said, quote, A large tomato thrown from the gallery struck him square between the eyes and he fell to the stage floor, just as several bad eggs dropped upon his head. End quote. That's all I have for this one, toppers. So now, let's go to Denmark. If someone says that something is rotten in the state of Denmark, then they mean that something suspicious is going on. This one is yet another phrase we can attribute to the bard. Shakespeare wrote Hamlet sometime between 1599 and 1602. In it, an officer named Marcellus sees the ghost of Hamlet's father and says, quote, Something is rotten in the state of Denmark. End quote. Now, that's both the believed origin and the first use in print, so let's move on to the odor itself. Many people think the rotten smell being referred to is Danish blue cheese, which is popular, but odiferous. The main problem with this theory is that the cheese wasn't introduced until the early 20th century, about 300 years after the play was written. On September 27th of 2011, the Huffington Post published an article online about a Danish explorer whose name I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce. It talked about him discovering an old sardine dumping ground in Denmark, and claimed that that fishy spot was what caused the offending odor Shakespeare was writing about. I don't consider this reliable, though, because the article was first published in December of 2005 by Weekly World News directly under an article about lobsters selling a new drug called seaweed. <laughs> and while this did make me laugh, it also made me doubt the story had any validity. Weekly World News is good for a laugh, but not for real news, even if they do claim to be the world's only reliable newspaper. In case you're not familiar with this publication, it's the normally black-and-white magazine found in checkout lines, claiming to have photos of things like human-bat hybrids, and Elvis in a flying car. Anyway, what it boils down to is that in this case, Shakespeare is using rotten to mean corrupt and unpleasant, not smelly or decayed. Let's move on now and spoil the bunch. The proverb, one bad apple can spoil the bunch, means that the negative attitude or bad behavior of one person can affect an entire group of people leading to the whole bunch having a negative attitude or participating in the bad behavior. This saying is based in science, because a single bad apple actually can spoil a whole bunch of apples. As some fruit ripens, it produces ethylene, which, in part, ripens fruit. As each piece of fruit ripens, it produces more ethylene, which makes the other fruit around it ripen even quicker, which produces even more ethylene, and so on and so forth. Therefore, if you put an overripe, 
or rotten, apple in with a bunch of non-rotten apples, the extra ethylene coming off the rotten apple will speed up the ripening of the others. People have been turning this process into a proverb since at least prior to 1387, which we know because that's the year Geoffrey Chaucer is thought to have begun writing down his Canterbury Tales. Here's a rough translation of a passage he wrote. Quote, About an old proverb, the words that say, A rotten apple's better thrown away before it spoils the barrel, that is true when dealing with a bad apprentice too. End quote. Since Chaucer considered this an old proverb at the time he was writing it down, it had to be in use for quite some time prior to him using it. It's the oldest proverbial print use I could locate, and even if it wasn't the first, Chaucer's popularity would have definitely helped secure the saying spot in the vernacular. And with that, it's time for today's metaphorical moment. It's just a metaphor, dude. It's a metaphor. Curious metaphor. A metaphor. Just the metaphor. Today's metaphor is bittersweet. This is used to describe something that's both pleasant and painful. This one just basically boils down to the etymologies of bitter and sweet, so let me break those down for you. Bitter things and sweet things have been bitter and sweet since the beginning of old-timey times. However, people didn't always have these two words to describe the tastes. In the grand scheme of things, these words actually aren't that old. Bear with me as I try to speak my way through history here. I'm going to do my best. Okay, let's start with bitter. This word starts at the Proto-Indo-European root word bahid. Proto-Indo-European, or pi, is thought to have been spoken from around 4500 BC to 2500 BC, though that is just a rough estimate. This root word led to the Proto-German word Beatrice, which led to the Old English word biter, then the modern-day word bitter. Now for sweet, which has the Proto-Indo-European root word of swad, which led to the Proto-Germanic swat, ya, then the Old English sweat, and finally the modern-day sweet. The combo word of bittersweet is thought to have appeared in the vernacular sometime around the late 14th century, as a Middle English noun. An ending is something that can be metaphorically bittersweet, and it's time to end this metaphorical moment. This will actually be the last metaphorical moment I'll be doing. Now, I'll still be exploring the etymology of metaphors on the show. I'm just not going to always do one at the end like this anymore. When I started the show, I was only doing one or two main sayings per episode, because I was a greenhorn at the time and didn't yet realize that some, well, make that many, phrases just don't have a ton of recorded history out there about them. So I added the metaphorical moment to give a little more substance to each episode instead of just doing one or two phrases each week. But honestly, sometimes it's kind of hard to find a metaphor that fits the theme of an episode. So to sum it up, you'll still hear some metaphors. You just won't hear them separated out into their own little section. With that out of the way, it's time for today's familiar quotation. Toppers, today's familiar quotation is from Taylor Hicks. 
Here's what he says about being spoiled. Quote, Any Southerner is spoiled when it comes to food. End quote. Boy, you ain't lying, Taylor. <laughs> we have got some good food down here. We can ruin us a vegetable. I mean, it'll taste good, but it will not be good for you at all. Anyway, thank you, Mr. Hicks, for giving us today's familiar quotation. All right, toppers, it's time for today's For Better or For Words, love advice from old-timey times. Just a quick disclaimer, remember that this advice is over a hundred years old. While some of the advice is still good today, I don't necessarily agree with every tip I read from these books. It's for entertainment purposes only. With that out of the way, let's hear from the ladies first. Don't be troubled because your husband is not an Adonis. Beauty is only skin deep, and the cleverest men are rarely the handsomest, judged by ordinary standards. And now for the men. Don't look at things solely from a man's point of view. Put yourself in your wife's place and see how you would like some of the things she has to put up with. All right, toppers, that's going to do it for episode 64. Thank you for lending me your ears today to turn some phrases. As I always do, I hope you enjoyed the episode and you learned something along the way. Check out my website, turnofphrases.com, to find out information about the show's social media, how to send me topic suggestions, how to support the podcast, and for details about the music I use in the show. If you had a good time listening, please consider subscribing or leaving a rating and review. Also, if you know someone who'd enjoy the show, please tell them about it to help spread the word. If you want bonus stuff, check out my Patreon page. There's a link in the show notes. Thanks again for listening to the Turn of Phrases podcast, researched, written, hosted, and produced by me, Brisky. Until next time, toppers, thank you for spoiling me by listening to the show. Toodaloo! And now... This is... Let me rephrase. We need to look at politics to... Uh, oh. <laughs> All the way back into the year... Nope. All the way back in the year 63 AD, the Roman Emperor... Uh, why did I think I was going to be able to say that in one try? Vespasian. Ves. Vespas. He's a Vespa. <laughs> He's not a Vespa. Okay. The Roman Emperor Vespasianus. <laughs> you are a mature adult. <clears throat> you can get through this. Vespasianus. <laughs> Vespas. Vespasianus, Vespasianus, The Roman Emperor Vespasianus, nope, Vespasianus. Okay, let's try this again. Vespasianus, 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 Vespasianus.
was subjected to flying turnips during a riot in Hadram. Oh, now I can't say this word. <laughs> was subjected to flying turnips during a riot in Hadramitum. Old timey times Rome, you're killing me <laughs> with these names. Hadrumtum. Hadrumtum? Hadrumitum. Had. There's like 17 M's in this word. There's actually only two, but. Hadrumitum. 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 It's not so easy to chuck a watermelon, but most varieties of tomatoes fit in the. <laughs> I just can't talk tonight. Excuse me. This is um. This is this is your mouth speaking. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna properly pronounce anything. That wasn't well liked by the audience. The article said, "Quote." <coughs> uh, no, that's that's not what the article said. Excuse me, and let's try that again. Poor guy. <laughs> Felt kind of bad for him. But then again, maybe he was a terrible performer and he deserved it. No, he still wouldn't. Deserve it. What, what am I doing? I, <laughs> I cannot focus tonight, y'all. Dang. It's going to stink when I'm editing, but boy, is the blooper reel going to be lit. In it, an officer named Marcellus sees the ghosts. Nope, there's only one ghost. That's a typo. The proverb, one bad apple can spoil the... Mm, yep, beep, beep, beep. As each Pete, Pete, I'm losing it, y'all. In the grand scheme of things, the words are actually. <laughs> That's a new one. Which led to the Proto-Germanic swat, swatja, swat, swatja. Come over here, fly, I'll swatja. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> 